Good morning and welcome. This morning we are talking with the team from Brigado to learn about to learn to prepare and protect your business with appropriate technology. Brigado is our latest addition to our advisory network and our members are entitled to, entitled to an annual 30 minute consultation with any of our advisors. Just visit wahospitality.org and click on the resources tab or talk to your territory manager. Uh, some housekeeping, we wanna answer your questions live. Click on the Q&A button in the bottom of your screen. We are recording this webinar, so if you miss anything or if you would like to check out the presentation slides, visit wahospitality.org by the end of the day, and you can find this webinar where you get your podcasts under the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. If you go ahead and subscribe to this now, this webinar will be waiting for you the next time you log in. And speaking of our podcast, look for the next CEO podcast coming September 7th, when President and CEO Anthony Antone We'll interview Superintendent Chris Rakedahl of OSPI and Reed Simok from Labor and Industries to talk about how you can add teenagers to your labor pool. And we want to thank our sponsors, My Hospitality Insurance, for sponsoring this podcast. Visit wahospitality.org for more information. And now I would like to introduce someone many of our members already know. It's Chad McKay, a former president of the board of the Washington Hospitality Association and the founder of Brigado. This morning, he is joined by his director of technology, Ashish Singh. And good morning, Chad. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh, cybersecurity and why you should care and what you can do about preparing to be uh, more secure through proactive and secure stances. Uh, for many of you, you know me as uh, a restaurant and hospitali hospitalitarian, um, as Fire and Vine Hospitality, but what you may not know is I, I spent about a decade in technology consulting um, prior to being back in the restaurant business. And about five years ago, uh, Shish and I started Brigado, which was a captive IT group, which then became an IT group servicing clients across the country. In fact, today, Ashish is in New York working on a client, um, doing a rollout of some, some new payment systems. So um, Ashish, do you want to do a quick introduction and then we'll roll right into our presentation. Hi there. Hi there. Um, Ashish, I've been with Chad understanding hospitality and um, just in nuances of, you know, what we do with technology and everything else that correlates to what happens in the industry at large and how it also affects our subsection when we start focusing on hospitality specifically. So when Chad and I started this fun adventure, um, I was coming from a corporate background with understanding, you know, industrial and high level corporate security pieces and then started looking at how does that apply to our day-to-day -day working in a hospitality section. My credit card goes to the uh, server, server takes it down to a payment, comes back, and suddenly I'm realizing there's a lot of inherent risk that comes in this little you know, human interaction is to my credit cards disappear from my hand, comes back. And over the years, we've seen a lot of changes happen, but suddenly now the security parameters have changed. And as we were just discussing with some people in current day environment, it's no longer just a credit card issue. It's all about the information that we store, you know, my information, my birthday, my anniversary, my kid's name, my wife's name, my address. Everything is now collated into this one section in the favorite restaurant we visit because that's 
part of the environment that we create of hospitality that you know where my birthday is. So it's amazing conversation to have about all the different nuances of security that we are affected by more than just a credit card payment. And look forward to just sharing some of those insights and trends with you today. Great. Thanks, Ashish. Okay. So let's jump right in here. Move this over. Here we go. Um, so some of the top issues that are on the rise, and we're going to talk about each of these, is email phishing. Um, so again, that is top data breach in first quarter of 2022. Uh, you'll have heard probably about ransomware attacks. So that's where they are asking you for money to unlock your data. Uh, we have seen a, a massive escalation with the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Uh, security breaches with remote workers has definitely increased and it has increased our vulnerability of having people outside of a core network environment. And then zero day vulnerabilities and zero day is when the hackers know the, the very first day that the hackers know there's a flaw in software um, and the time between that and when people can actually get it fixed. Um, so there's a lot of times where there's a the hackers know something, but the software companies don't. And then uh, unpatched technology and other things that because of shortage of labor or other things that have been uh, missed, because as you all know, we've had a tough couple of years um, with COVID and the restrictions. So we want to, today we want to scare you a little bit and then also give you hope that there's actually ways to counter and make yourself a little less vulnerable. Uh, so we're going to talk about the bad news first. Uh, again, there's nothing that we cannot prevent a hacker to get in a system. If they are determined, they can get in. Uh, every size organization, including the U.S. government, military, have been hacked. The question is, are you making yourself less hackable or less um, vulnerable to people looking for opportunities? So there's no perfect system, but what we can do is fortify and make you stronger. The good news is you can mitigate those risks and discourage cyber criminals. They really are looking for opportunity, uh, crimes of opportunity versus dedicated to getting you. Um, and then really that best defense is a proactive offense. So we're gonna cover top security threats to your business operations and how to protect your data. Uh, and then what is the number one security risk that most companies are not addressing and what you could do to effectively safeguard your business and your data. Uh, we have had two years where I know we have not been complacent about how we operate our businesses uh, in the restaurant world. You guys have been under constant siege and change, um, but sometimes security and some of those aspects have taken a backseat to getting things done and surviving in this environment. And so I love this uh, quote from Andrew Grove, success breeds complacency, complacency breeds failure, only the paranoid survive. I want to create a little bit of paranoia in you today and then give you some relief that there's some things you can do to, to reduce that paranoia. Um, first, we want to make sure you understand every size company is a target. Um, a lot of people think, hey, I'm too small. I don't need to protect myself. Nobody's going to try to get me. Um, it's now to about a third of all data breaches are small and medium-sized businesses. 
And as it gets bigger and bigger, those average costs are getting up into the couple million dollars for those data breach incidents. We're gonna talk a little bit, just very briefly, uh, dark web. This is an area of the internet um, that is where criminals uh, lurk. And what they are doing is they're passing information. So one of the things that's happening is people are breaking into systems and stealing personal information, social security numbers, date of birth, credit card numbers, passcodes, anything that they can, and they resell it. There's a whole underground market selling personal information. Um, so these are, you know, credit card details. They actually, if they get a, an active credit card, it's about $150 that they can sell that for online. Social security numbers, date of birth, $4. Banking account information, healthcare records. And the hackers have gotten so good, they're actually now um, doing an as-service model where they're basically, it's, it's like a SaaS model, software as service for uh, breaking in and exchanging that information. So this is one of the reasons why people are breaking into your system beyond um, ransomware. We'll talk about that as well. It's that personal information is worth money on the dark web. So the top security threats are around data theft, exposure, and loss. So this are, is around your customers, your employees, your competitive advantages, um, and the, the threat of downtime disruption or lost productivity if you do get a ransomware attack or something in that or denial of service attack. Uh, so let's talk about ransomware. Uh, this is a type of malware, meaning it's a, it's a virus. It's a malware that takes control of your system and locks your, locks your data up and prevents you from accessing it until you pay a ransom. Um, this, these have been very, getting very expensive in the last six to 18 months. There's more exposure and more ransomware that's that has happened before. So this continues to be on the rise. Uh, ransomware is real. It's, it's across every industry. Um, so these are some recent ransomware uh, data. One of the things you should notice is the, the two biggest areas that are extracting ransomware is Russia and China. And so both of these um, have active uh, citizens as well as kind of portions of the government that are actively engaging in espionage, stealing of private property rights, IP information, and, and others. Um, and so these are, it's pretty a major deal, but the rest of the world accounts for 55% as well. So it's not just these two bad actors, although they are the biggest bad actors, uh, bad countries in the world. Anything you want to say on that, Ashish, or we... She was just down at a, a, a hacker conference and had some real-time stuff. No, yeah, you're very much on point. And the thing to remember is ransomware as an industry, uh, not just by industry, ransomware as an industry is the fastest growing industry on the dark web for the simple reason there are people who are vulnerable. It's a very quick payoff. Uh, it's a very tangible return for what they do. Uh, it's a business. And one of the most uh, amazing um, you know, stories that we just heard a couple of weeks ago was ransomware artists will come in and take over a system and they will negotiate to a certain point and then say, hey, I need to pay off 
I need to be paid off in the next couple of days because then I'm planning a vacation. So for them, it's a business. And the whole idea that they come to that point that they have you know, streamlined this process to run a business, that I'm going to hit X number of sites or X number of businesses, glean the money in Bitcoin or other crypto from them, and then you know go off, take a vacation with my family. Um, it should scare us because they've come to make it a commodity. It's not something they're trying to figure out. It's something that is just a run-of-the-mill commodity product for them that they can infiltrate multiple industries and then just recover an income to live very comfortably on. Okay. Uh, so another one of the top security threats is really around email. Um, and this is, again, most of malware, including ransomware attacks, phishing attacks, are coming in via email. So again, this, this ends up being one of your biggest areas of uh, risk is... I think that you know one of the stats here is almost forty percent of respondents um, said somebody in their organization has fallen victim to a phishing attack, and the phishing attack is an email that gets sent that wants you to click on a link, and then can install malware, which could do a number of different things. It could be a ransomware, etc. Um, but again, we want to talk about uh, the risk of those business email and how to deal with those. Uh, phishing and spear phishing. And so this is the, I'm pretty sure everybody's gotten this, where you're getting an email requesting information from a friend or from maybe another worker uh, who's trying to get a username or password. This is the Amazon uh, you know, delivery issue or payment issue. Your Netflix account is suspended until you enter your credit card. So what they're trying to get you to do is click on a link, take you to a site that emulates um, a, a valid company, a real company, and then have you put in passwords and date of birth and credit card information so they can go ahead and pass that on and sell it off on the dark web. Uh, there's now something called spear phishing, and that is it, they've gotten so sophisticated that instead of just sending out these mass emails and, and blasts, they'll actually go through your social media profile. So if they're trying to gain access to a company, they're going to look at the CFO, the CEO, they're going to look at what you posted on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of those social medias, and they will actually come up with a personalized campaign to get to you. Uh, so we were just at a conference and they were doing a, um, uh, a simulator where uh, this was actually a real one where the CEO and CFO had been golfing and had a great game. They had posted out on social media. The next morning, got an email from the, the CFO, got an email from the CEO basically saying, hey, that was such a fun game. I can't believe it got a hole in one, right? Kind of recounted the day that was built up from the social media and said, oh, by the way, I forgot we have a new account. I need you to wire $150,000. And this is a company that regularly does wires. Uh, to this new account. And basically that CFO fell for that, wired the money and it was gone. So again, this, is, this isn't the Nigerian prince asking for money. This is something so sophisticated that it is pointed and detailed and fools people. Number one security is your people. They click on links, they go to websites, they put use passwords that are 
you know, common or easily breakable. They're using your work email in all sorts of different sites for their personal use as well. Um, but people is going to be the human factor is the number one security uh, issue that companies need to address. Um, something called insider threats. So this is somebody on the inside that is uh, basically, there's a couple where they are negligent. And so they are just careless and click on things. We call them the, the clicky people. Doesn't matter what it is, they click on it to, to look at it. Um, those people are what really creates insider threats. And then there are also the insider threats for people that have been dismissed where security has not been turned off and they can pose a problem for you as well. So how do you protect your business? So this is, love this chart because it gives us a couple of images. One is on the left side is about security layers and how many you have. And then on the right side is the number of hackers that are available to penetrate your security levels. So if you have a minimum level of security, Basically, anybody who's a reasonable hacker can get to you. So that's the maximum number of people out there can break into your system. And by the way, Ashish was just down at an airport in that hackers conference. There was a active shooter incident that were there was a security issue. Um, and within three minutes, the people he was in line with had already broken into the communications to listen real time, as well as the TSA um, flow of information. So even, you know, high security pieces, but these are the best hackers in the world as well. Shish, you want to jump in on that? Uh, and then I think I live in that world, but just to see it actively, uh, this is just past Sunday um, in Vegas, you know, you'd expect security and everything else. And these guys just to pull out the laptop from their backpack, uh, get fired up their hotspots, and within minutes, even before TSA agents knew fully what was happening at the airport, these guys had were tapped into live feeds and they were just gathering data, anything that was out there from any source. And they were putting that in and they could see it on the screen and they were sharing that openly with the team standing around, you know, with friends, people, everybody in line. And the TSA office is coming and saying, how where did you find that? We're like, well, this is what we're seeing on the feeds right now. And it's a very scary world, but at the same time, it's very much out there. Everything is out there. All they were doing was gleaning it together in a source. They know what to gather, put it together in a forum, and then share it. And that's what makes it extremely dangerous as much as it is very unique. It's a very unique set of tools that they're utilizing, but it makes it very real for us in our industry to say, this is happening, it's real. And yes, it can happen to the best of the best. So. We are not there, but we need to be somewhere at least in this realm of security layer that Chad's sharing. You know, where do we stand that we keep those guys away from us? Great, thank you, Ashish. Yeah, so the more layers of security, the more of a, uh, a secure stance that we have, the less of the, the, the higher the skill level needed to hack into you and to break into you. So what we want to do is just give you some of the reasons, some of the things that you can do to up your security levels and make yourself have a more secure stance. So we'll go into a few of those items. Uh, so one thing that does get missed, uh, and I know it's annoying, but everybody 
on those Microsoft installs where they have critical updates, you need to keep your stuff updated. Um, Microsoft and all the other software companies are out there updating primarily for security, not necessarily just bugs in terms of the software fixes, but it, these are actually system vulnerabilities that they're trying to update. So it's everything from your laptops, your phones, your servers, any of the information that you have out there, you need to keep your devices updated with system updates because those patches are typically uh, critical security patches. Uh, the other is securing your network perimeter. So we call that edge security. So that's everything from firewalls um, and making sure that you have antivirus and anti-malware uh, tools. Uh, just because you have an ISP, an internet service provider, um, that modem that's supplied is not a firewall. Uh, so again, those are consumer. If it has a firewall component, it's a consumer and any reasonable hacker can penetrate that very quickly. Um, so you want to protect your edge or your network perimeter. Um, and then the other that's a big one, and this is, this is hard for a lot of companies, is access and permission controls. So this is making sure that only the right users have access to the systems they need and the data they need. Uh, so the principle that we talk about is the principle of least privilege, which means the, the minimum access needed for any person uh, for staff, employees, or third-party vendors. This, this reduces the amount of access that if somebody does get breached, that they have availability of that breach um, to access. And so again, this is everything from third-party systems. Um, so that one that we run into quite a bit is reservation systems, where the front, the management wants the front desk to have full access to all sorts of information. Um, almost like an administrator level, and you start to run into severe issues where um, if that does get breached, that the ability to export and to pull that customer information, very detailed information, uh, puts you at risk. So again, implement the privilege, principle of least privilege. Uh, another one that is you know, high up right now and has been, and you're going to see this getting even more important is around passwords and multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. So if you do online banking, you probably have this already because it's been pretty much mandated by every banking uh, company. And that is the, the texting of a passcode, uh, a security code. Uh, so not only are you logging in using your password, but then there's an additional um, security authorization that's either done through an application like Authy or Google Authenticator, or it's done via text message. This is basically becoming mandatory. I'm going to show you uh, just quickly, and I'll, I'll send this over. Oh, hold on here. This is a cybersecurity application from Travelers, which is a pretty major uh, cybersecurity insurer. And this application compared to a year ago has probably quadrupled in the number of questions it's asking about. And one of the things that it is looking at is you know, firewall technology, backup and recovery procedures, 
but look at one I as multi-factor authentication for remote access to email and other systems and programs that contain private or sensitive bulk data in bulk. If you answer no to this, you will be denied coverage for cyber insurance. This is going to get harder and harder uh, to get because the insurance companies have been paying out pretty large uh, data breach uh, payments and claims on this. So it used to be that you could say, hey, I'm secure, answer a few questions and you're good to go. Now those questions are getting more detailed. If you answer no, or if you answer yes, but you actually didn't do it, you'll be denied uh, on your claim later on if they find out that you had not implemented multi-factor. Uh, the other area, and I'm going to let Ashish jump in after, is to uh, to look at PCI compliance. And up to this point, because of COVID and the kind of battering that we've had as an industry, uh, PCI compliance has been, was kind of put on the back burner for a little bit. You are going to see that explode in the, this year and into next year in terms of actually having to do much more around that than we've been required to do it to this point. Sheesh, do you want to talk about that? Because you've been working with some clients on that. Yes. Um, so the PCI industry, you know, standards that are set in the PCI DSS, as they call it, uh, they just floated a new framework. Uh, as of, I think, 31st March 2022 is finally they had this updated framework. And a couple of the highlights of that is, one, audit, an active audit of the compliance regulations. So in the past, we used to have a nice little uh, self-assessment questionnaire, and we you know we could look at it, and your IT team or some of the senior managers could look at the process and say, "Yes, we do this. Check it off." Or, "Yes, it's in the works." You know, we have a game plan. Here are minute uh, meeting reports or notes that yes, we are considering it, and we'd have a budgeted report, and we'd be okay. Because the credit card companies just want an assurance that you're thinking about security and you're doing something about it proactively. Um, the biggest change has been authentication of that promise. And the key piece to do that is they will want physical audits. And I mean, physical in the sense they want actual active reports showing that your network is protected. They want to know what firewalls are using, what firmware versions are running on them, and actually want physical reports authenticated by a third party. So a lot of physical audit requests are coming in to clients, uh, you know, be it from Secure Trust, any other party, depending on the credit card company you have. Uh, no longer can we rely on this idea of, you know, we're just going to pay $200, you know, fee for non, it's not non-compliance, it's just for non-reporting at that point. They don't call it non-compliance. Um, those things are going to go away. Cyber insurance teams are going to pick on that saying you're not compliant with PCI, but if you don't have an audit, they will question, you will be denied cyber insurance. And I say you will be, not you maybe, you will be because they're being very particular if you have answered no or maybe or any to any of those specific key questions that are on the questionnaire. That is their grounds to deny coverage. Payouts, if you've gone through the process somehow and you have coverage, you will be denied payout when an incident does happen. They're very restrictive on what defines an incident. For example, social engineering issues are no longer defined as a cyber insurance incident. That is 100% on you because you did not teach your team how to protect under the guidelines of PCI. So they're being very careful on how PCI is dictated and rolled out. So be aware the transition's happening. You know, the lull during COVID is kind of gone. The rules have changed. 
And in the next six months, you'll start seeing a huge premium increase in cyber insurance. A lot of the big uh, credit card companies are assessing this fee for non-reporting. Um, it, it's up in the grapevine right now, but we've heard reports of uh, anywhere from $100 to $250 a month will go all the way up to 1000 even higher, depending on the volume that you guys run with different credit card companies. Amex has reported, even in certain cases, a $10,000 minimum uh, for non-reporting. So it's out there. It's happening in the industry. Uh, and I'm sure hospitality will get hit with it really soon because we are one of the most vulnerable uh, for these breaches. Great. Thank you, Shish. And so that, yeah, I think that's uh, in terms of doing regular risk assessment. So looking at vulnerabilities, that'll be something that will become more common for all of us uh, is basically doing those assessments ongoing and confirming that uh, you are making progress uh, as you report in either PCI compliance or on the cyber uh, security audits uh, for cyber insurance. Um, so uh, another area to, to lock down is really around email security, um, making sure your anti-spam software is is good being properly used. We really want to keep that malware from actually hitting somebody's inbox. Um, there is decent anti-spam that comes with things, but depending on your size, you may want to have a, a third-party uh, spam and um, anti-phishing software as well uh, to make sure that emails are not improperly getting uh, to your people, especially those that like to click. And then the other, again, with your employees, um, I love, you know, this is the, the clicky people. Some people will click on anything. Uh, that's, that's your weakest point is that employee that just loves getting those emails. They click through. Uh, and then later on, they're like, oh, didn't realize that was something. Because they clicked on something that seemed innocuous, but actually it was a key logger malware. And so it's now recording all the keystrokes for that person's intercepting passwords, et cetera. Um, so again, number one security risk is the unit between the desk and the chair. It's that person that um, it's those individuals. So being able to do uh, security training, you know, email, email phishing campaigns. So uh, we do with our clients where we send out fake uh, phishing emails. So we do training and then basically have a campaign to see who is a clicker. Um, and then work with that clicker to make them understand uh, what uh, type of risk they're, they're posing. And so that, that's a great way uh, to just up the security game and the awareness for those employees. Uh, so three ways, IT network risk assessment. So basically doing that vulnerability scan, trying to find out where, uh, where you have issues already. Uh, prioritizing those layered security controls so those are everything from your firewalls to passwords, multi-factor authentication, uh, least privilege access, and then continuous monitoring and risk management. So doing everything from monitoring uh, firewalls, uh, monitoring internal activity, email campaigns, et cetera. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and pause I, and ask if there's any questions. We are going to send out these slides. I will also include... Um, the application for travelers, just so you can see what you may be encountering since the last time that you did a cybersecurity application. So, 
Yep. Thank you. All right. Lisa, let's see. Monitor. I'm not seeing any questions just yet, but if you guys have them, please type them into the Q&A. And I just want to remind everybody that Brigado is our newest member of the advisory network. If you guys have any questions about this with like a 30 minute consultation, um, you can go ahead and give your territory manager a call or visit our website um, and click on the resources tab. And uh, Liz, if you could type your question into the Q&A, that would be great. Not seeing it in there yet? Not just yet. Is it in the chat? What's like the number one thing that you've noticed? Uh, your is it is it the the employees that are um, the security risk, or is it, it or can there be something else that we, we're looking for? What's the number one thing that you've run into right now as a problem for your clients? Do, do you want to jump on that, Ashish? It's sure. Number one for us actually has been phishing, um, the number one issue. And I think with the special current environment of you know, people working remote, especially execs, um, the office workers, the back of the house team is reliant on email as a primary means of communication. So the GM sending an email out or an email coming on behalf of the GM asking for uh, gift cards is very prevalent right now. You know, and the idea of, hey, you know, so-and-so is coming and give them this cash or give them this process or the other um it's i think the bad actors have figured that out that it's a perfect scenario for them people are not you know seeing each other face to face as frequently email becomes a primary so a breached account when a manager or a senior captain's uh, email account is compromised it is a very lucrative target because with that one person position uh who has access to an address list of all his employees and he can send out to 100 different employees and say, hey, buy me a gift card. There might be that one new employee who's trying to impress the boss who will go out and buy that $100 gift card and mail it out to somebody. You know, And all it takes is that one little thing or somebody who sees this link that boss says, hey, I need you to fill out this questionnaire. And they go out and go ahead and give every personal information, SSN yep. and the details. And now you have a hold in that organization with a compromised breached account. And they will just sit there and monitor, you know, the mass emails that are going, emails that are back and forth between the GM and the CFO, for example. Uh, and all they're looking at is the language. They are trying to glean as much information you can get, all from one or two phishing emails that were that good. Um, yep. The most common thing with phishing is this thing that Chad talked about, uh, sphere, sphere phishing, the very targeted. Um, it is extremely, extremely common right now for executives in a team, in a restaurant group, because your email addresses are public. They're sitting on your websites. You know, everybody knows that. And it could be something like this. Hey, Chad, I just heard your webinar, or I know you posted something on LinkedIn about this because public knowledge, gleaning from social media, using that to create familiarity and asking for that little extra. And then he gets, you know, Chad's signature line, 
He understands the language Chad uses, how his emails are worded, and then they use tools to create emails that are similar. It, it's happening yep. happening rampantly every day. Thanks, Ashish. Um, Alec Northrup uh, asked a question. I don't know if you're seeing those, Ashish. Could you define social engineering and clarify if that is different from phishing? Yes. Um, so social engineering is using people's skills. Um, you know, I'm gathering information from social media. I'm meeting you, uh, you know, at a restaurant. I shake your hand, have a great conversation. You have no idea who I am. I say I'm Ashish. We just met. Hey, you know, Chad, we suddenly we have a mutual acquaintance. Uh, and then that just creates this common ground. And as soon as you meet a fourth person who is deemed, um, you know, not likable, quote unquote, however you want to define that, but you and I have a camaraderie. We just had a conversation. We just shared a coffee. So suddenly now I'm closer to you in a social understanding, but I know where you work. I know who you know. I know, you know, a little bit more about your wife and about, you know, your family, where you vacation, because we just started this great conversation. And the best example I'll give you is uh, when we fly. I fly a lot, so I love to observe conversations. Just because you're sitting next to me in airline, how do you know you can trust me? I know where you're coming from. I know where you're going. I know who you visited. I know everything about your grandkids now. I see pictures of your dog. I just gathered a ridiculous amount of data on you just because you sat next to me on an airline seat and you felt like talking, right? More so if I'm sitting behind you and I'm overhearing the conversation. That's social engineering. I'm using the power of just being a likable guy and gathering information that I have no business knowing. And add to that, I can figure out your birthday because your Facebook, you know, says, hey, I just celebrated. Somebody says, happy birthday. I celebrate. Great. I know your date of birth now. I have a good idea on, you know, where you live. I can cross check against your high school. I can look up high school history. Thanks to social media. I can figure a lot of things about you. That's social engineering. I walk up to a restaurant with all that information, the way you are a GM, and say, Chad, I just met Chad on the plane. He said, you know, it'll be great for me to come and hang out. The hostess knows, knows no better. She's like, oh, you're Chad's friend? Great, I'll give you some service. Oh, he said I should get this. Great, happy to help you. That's social engineering. And that's where it's different from phishing. Phishing is I'm throwing something out there, hoping somebody grabs it. You know, I'm trying to figure out they might be like, you might love to shop at some site. So I'm sending it to 100, hoping somebody takes the bait. Social engineering, I'm working it on that one person. Um, usually, it'll be the person of the least privilege we talked about. So um, in all our contexts, just think our whole staff is usually the youngest. They have access what's, to what's the, Ashish, what's the movie that's the, the, the best example of social engineering is the, the plane, the pilot? Um, oh, catch me if you can. Catch, yeah, that's social engineering. Yes. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a great that movie great. and a great book to read if you would just love to understand how it's being manipulated today. Yeah. Yep. It's very scary. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for this presentation today. Um, we will have this up on our website later great. on today, along with the presentation slides and the insurance form example. Yep. Um, once again, wahospitality.org. And thank you to our sponsors, My Hospitality Insurance, Chad and Ashish. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. And uh, just, you know, for just for this group, um, the first couple of people that are interested, we can do a security 
uh, assessment uh, for two of the clients that are that are on here. If you go ahead and send an email to Chad Bergato or Shisha Bergato, uh, io, um, we do have all the capabilities to do both to do those assessments as well as ongoing monitoring. So those uh, we'll give away two complimentary ones for people that are interested. All right. Great. Thank you so much. And you guys. Thank have you. A great day. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you.